Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Hi, everybody. I'm Connie Willis here, and I'm getting to talk to the one and the only Ori Geller. You may have heard of him. You may have seen him. You may have read about him. You may have seen him and not even known it was him. He's been all over the place doing all sorts of things. And I heard uh, from him or about him basically through remote viewing and learning that and uh, also at QVC and the fact that anytime somebody bends a spoon, that's kind of the Ori thing. So, Ori Geller, once again, welcome to Coast to Coast AM. I think we stopped you on something. I know I got a billion questions, but I want you to go back to where you were and finish your story. Okay. So, I was going back to um, Cyprus and Mossad that was interested in my powers. Uh, Before that, uh, again, I was still um, penniless. I had to work hard. I was a construction builder. This is before the army. Um, model, as you said, I modeled everything in Israel, but then um, the again Mossad um, got to me and um, they started asking me if I can deliver them uh, all kinds of information through. I would say I used remote viewing at that time or telepathy, extrasensory perception. So they were so amazed by the two years that I have works for them, but they did not understand how I was doing what I was doing. So they basically called up the CIA, and they asked the CIA to test me. So CIA takes me out of Israel in 1972, straight to Stanford Research Institute, which is um, Stanford University now. And um, they started testing me. Uh, validating my abilities, my powers. And from uh, the Stanford Research Institute, I was taken to the Lawrence Livermore Radiation Labs. That's where they build nuclear weapons. Uh, I won't go into what exactly I was asked to do there, but from there I went to the, they took me to the American Naval Surface Weapons Center in Baltimore. So I had a very, very unusual and interesting time, I would say, in the early 70s all the way up to the 80s. And like you say, remote viewing is something that many governments use today to derive, to extract information that their sophisticated satellites or other means of espionage cannot deliver. Uh, so that that was my un, uh, undercover kind of secret career. And <laughs> parallel, to, parallel to that, Connie, I didn't want to be a guinea pig. I, I, again, I wanted to become rich and famous. I wanted to get my mother to, to America. I wanted to buy a car. I wanted to have my own place. So I started doing TV shows, and um, yeah, I guess I became very well known around the world. I don't, I still don't understand how I managed to instill spoon bending into world culture. And, and <laughs> Me either. Good job. <laughs> that was I fantastic. That, I know that I, I might be now sound. I, I might sound like I'm showing off, but George no. Clooney played me. Robert De Niro played me. The Matrix has a whole spoon-bending sequence. Uh, it's amazing that how a, a, a rather a trivial demonstration of mind power uh, took the world by fire. 
Well, I'm glad it did. And, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, like when you were talking about the military bringing you over, you know, working with them and them asking you all these different things to find out and to know. It's amazing to me that when, when they see there, there's this talent, there's this ability that is uh, extraordinary and they find a way to use it for them. I, I found, you know, that pretty amazing. And by the way, anybody I know that did that type of work, yeah, there wasn't any money really involved in that. So when you did go into television, boom, I'm sure it bumped way up and you could have your other dreams come true. And you, you did have those dreams come true. Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, Connie, I never got paid for any of You didn't even get anything. Oh, well, uh, ever I never asked for anything. I just went along because of the ideological reasons. But there is one amazing, amazing experiment that has been conducted, and very few people know about it. Um, at that time, in the early 70s, the NSA feared of um, psychic um, nukes. I mean, this this sounds so unbelievable. But um, the agency wondered if 10 psychics like me could cause a chain reaction that would cause a city to become lost in time and space. Now, this is almost like it's taken out of um, an Arthur C. Clarke movie. But this is true. And and, and I'm, I'm actually holding documents, photocopies of documents from NSA, a classified government document opens with an odd sequence of events relating to parapsychology that has occurred very recently as the um, British um, Secret Service were testing me. And uh, they, they concluded with an alarming question about psychics nuking cities so that they become lost in space and time. Again, this sounds like a plot out of science fiction. It is, but it's also NSA memo from 1977. This is a memo from National Security Agency. The first event, by the way, raised by NSA note, is a CIA report which mentioned KGB research into parapsychology. According to this, the KGB, Connie, used lobbyists and non-governmental researchers to talk to Western scientists. Now, this allowed the KGB to collect useful information without putting themselves into a position to accidentally leak confidential information to Westerners. Now, according to NSA, this, this, this is NSA documents, this tactic yielded high-grade Western scientific data. And I, I find this extraordinary because it, what they were trying to do, when they received information of poltergeists that I created in England for scientists that were testing me from MI6, they concluded that if there were 10 Uri Gellers, we could concentrate together uh, on a Russian city and evaporate it make it go into a blue, a black hole. I mean, did you ever hear this before, or this is the first time you hear it? No, I'm loving it. I'm waiting for the ending here. I want uh, to see what happened. Well, there was, you know, there was another uh, NSA document 
Uh, and the section concluded again with a note because these are all notes, you know, typed out on NSA yeah. documents. Mm-hmm. The note said that there had supposedly been a successful demonstration of telekinetic power in a Soviet military-sponsored research lab. And now this is the mind-blowing thing. And this discovery is, is, is almost like a discovery of a new type of energy, perhaps even more important than that of atomic energy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what I'm telling you here is totally and utterly mind-blowing, but it's true. And the idea, the, the bottom line is to weaponize psychic abilities, both yep. in America and in Russia. Yeah, that was my point before, that, that that's how they, you have these abilities and they wanted to do it that way, weaponize it. And then I guess that's what they're in the business of doing. But there's so many other wonderful things you can do with it that probably you don't even still know, even as long as you've been doing it. Of, of course. Look, you know, Throughout my, my career in the departments of government, um, I did a lot of positive stuff. Uh, the Americans, for instance, wanted me to uh, convince and influence the Russians to sign the Nuclear Arms Reduction Treaty. So they flew me to Geneva. This was Senator Claiborne Pell, the head of the American Foreign Relations Committee. And with me was, uh, I remember, Al Gore. And um, I got very close to Yuli Voronsov, who was the head of the Russian-Soviet negotiating team. And I bombarded his mind telepathically. I basically, I, I stood maybe 10 inches from his head, and I, I just repeated in my mind, sign, 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 telepathically. And um, lo and behold, the Russian signed. Uh, I, I totally believe that I was partly influential in the in this signing and telepathy does work i mean what's a big deal i right you know you connie and all most of our listeners believe in extrasensory perception and telepathy we all have telepathy yeah yeah there's no question about it um i don't want to cut off your stories but i got a ton of stuff to talk about with the telepathy so let me just ask you real quick here with telepathy, now I know you have the PK, you can move things, you've moved things. It's been very fun to watch some of the old clips, everybody out there, make sure you watch them. They're, they're exciting. People have pulled you into these situations just out of the blue to, and, and have something set up and you go right to it. And, you know, that's, that's always a little nerve wracking, but you still can pull through it because you, you know, you believe you can do it and you do it and you make it happen. But I know there's times that, yeah. and, and I know it's happened because I know, I know people have set me up before in ways, I, I can't do what you do, but I know that people have set me up in ways and they've asked me things and they put me on the spot and they want to get this exact answer that I might have given, you know, five years ago or something like that about some details of, of, of the situation. But I can tell that they're really wanting me to fail, and they're they're just sending that vibe off to me, sending me that vibe, and I, my thoughts are jumbled in my head because it's almost like uh, they've got razor blades yeah. and they're like cutting it up, you know, and you can't pull it together because you're so sensitive and so open 
to it, and they're trying to take you down. You know what I'm saying? This definitely happened to me on many occasions. I I would like um, everyone to, I'd like to direct you to my website, which is uh, urigeller.com, but I also have uh, museumurigeller.com, where you will find my original artworks and other interesting things. Love it. My website is www.urigeller.com, and my museum is museumurigeller.com. And by the way, my Instagram is the Uri Geller, and uh, you will find my email address on my website. So if you have any questions, I tend to answer my emails. I get hundreds of emails a day, but I try to answer them all. Um, what you're talking about now, Connie, is brings up the Johnny Carson show. Yes, where, that's where I saw it happening to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I basically walked into a trap. I didn't know that Johnny Carson was a skeptic, and uh, he scoffed and he sneered while I was trying to bend the spoon. Uh. And, you know, the, the, the spoon actually bent in Ricardo Montemblant, that he, who was a great you know, movie actor. Yeah, but yeah. That, but that was enough. That wasn't enough for Johnny Carson. He, I just sat there for 22 minutes, humiliated, and the only thought that ran through my mind is, Uri Geller, you are finished. After the show, um, I felt terrible. I, I was, uh, yeah, I thought that this is it. I'm, I'm packing up and going back <laughs> to Israel. Because everyone told me, hey, if you do the Johnny Carson show, you made it in America. You made it, absolutely. (laughs) And there I was in front of millions of people, and I kind of um, half failed. So I went back to my hotel, devastated. I fell on the bed. In the morning, a a phone call wakes me up. The, The operator calls me from the downstairs, and she says to me, Mr. Geller, I have a Merv Griffin on the line for you. So I say, you mean the Merv Griffin? <laughs> and she says, he says, that's what he says. He, he, that's, that's him. <laughs> we so think I so. Line, <laughs> I get on the line and Merv says to me, Mr. Geller, I saw you last night on Johnny Carson. I want you on my show this week. All right. And that's when I realized, Connie, that there is no <laughs> such thing as bad publicity. As long yeah. as they spell my name correctly, then it's all very good. And that's what the skeptics did. They fueled again the wheel of publicity around me. And yeah, um, yeah I became yeah. more interesting. I became more mystical. I became more, yeah, more famous all around the world. And you had more motivation after that, too, to go, look, see, 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 I did it. But I knew when I watched that, I was going, oh, my gosh, that they're just they're going into him. They're throwing that negative, horrible vibe out, you know, and and you're feeling every bit of it because you're that open and sensitive. When you are that way, that's that's when you hear the telepathy. That's when you hear those things. And that let me ask you about, okay, with telepathy now. Now, PK, you can move things. Telepathy to me is is conversation back and forth without words and lips moving yes um the the first test that i went through where cia of course they were in stanford where i would be locked in a shielded room and scientists would draw drawings uh, either in their homes or in other rooms in stanford and my task was to duplicate those drawings through telepathy there was also a cia agent in langley virginia called kit green who 
I, I guess he wanted to see for himself. Now, remember, we're talking about the early 70s. There were no mobile phones. There was no uh, FaceTime. There was no uh, Instagram. There was no Twitter. We're talking about an old-fashioned phone. <laughs> so he called up uh, from Langley, Virginia, CIA headquarters, and he was holding something in his hand, and he said, well, Uri, if you, can, if you claim that you can see things from afar... What am I holding in my hand? And I described it exactly. Uh, and not only I described the picture, but I said, I'm feeling something very strong. It, it, the word architectural is coming in very strong. And um, I think Kid Green at that second freaked out because he has written the word architectural on that page of the open book. So that was... such powerful telepathy. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.